To another episode of the Over and Back podcast. Uh, I am Jordan Zerm, and my co host, who is currently trapped in a closet, is Mark Goon. Mark, um, how is how's that closet? It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot by the end of the show. So, I, I don't know how people record podcasts with like two people in a room, but there was like bleed between the mics, and you and I had to sit there every podcast episode for an hour and go through and like cut out all the parts where you weren't talking or where I weren't. T- it's just so. Now I'm I'm back in the recording booth closet, and you're in the room with my two dogs who are stomping all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in the room with two dogs. Mark, I can like sort of see Mark's shadow through um, the closet door. But I'm actually nude. Yeah, no, that's smart because it is going to get hot in there. So you're gonna <laughs> you all clothes should be off. Just um, if you pass out, I guess I'll know because you won't talk. But um, you'll hear it most I'll, likely. I'll hear it, but then I'll just continue the podcast without that's, you. That's good. Okay, great. Um, well, Mark, the playoffs are approaching uh, very soon. I think there are some teams have three games left. Some teams have two. The, I only know this living vicariously through the Cavs because the Cavs have exactly two games left. But before we get into some playoff talk, I would like to talk about a very important subject, which is LeBron James's tweets. Uh, oh, yeah, because. I tweeted this earlier today, tweeting about a tweet, uh, a little inception, but um, LeBron had a tweet. He's just really, ha- I mean, over the years, he's had some iconic tweets. The one I always think about is the one where he got mad at Kevin Love and said, I just, you should stop fitting out and start fitting in just my opinion. Really a cl- uh, an iconic tweet that will go down in basketball lore. But I think this season, he's had some of the best tweets that I can remember in terms of just being so wrong. Uh, like I think he's deleted it since, but remember earlier in the season when all of uh, basketball Twitter after they signed Russ were like, "Hey, you guys are old, and this is a terrible fit, and this is never going to work." You know, you remember how everybody said that? Everybody except uh, Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Lakers fans. Yes, everybody except Jerry Jones uh, said that. Uh, LeBron on this was August fourth, twenty twenty one. So a couple months before the season started, he tweeted. Keep talking about my squad, our personal ages. He spelled personal like personnel, you know, like so, like a like a team player personnel. Our personnel ages, the way he plays, he stays injured. We're past our time in the league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do me one favor, please. Please is all caps. There's five exclamation points after please, and I mean please again, capitalize. Although only three exclamation points this time. Keep that same narrative energy when it begins. That's all I ask. Hashtag thank you. Um, this is a gas station person tweet. <laughs> this is a... Do you know what a gas station person is? <laughs> no, no. I could you explain to me what a gas station person is? Okay, so before I moved to Los Angeles, I worked handing out monster energy drinks out of the back of a truck. And oftentimes we would go to rural gas stations in the middle of Missouri. Now picture a rural gas station in the Midwest in a bumfuck town and... The people who would come to a gas station at 9.30 a.m. in the morning 
just to get one free can of Monster Energy. <laughs> this is the type of person who would tweet that tweet that LeBron just tweeted. So LeBron is a gas station person walking up at 9.30 a.m. because he needs one can of Monster. Yes. Um, I agree with you. It is It is the tweet of a fan who has like exactly 63 followers and their profile picture is a player, their favorite player on their basketball team, and their handle name is like... Lakers three and one, and they updated after every game. Or like a bald white man with a goatee and Oakley sunglasses, <laughs> like that 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 person on Twitter. Oh my God! So that was LeBron in August, and that tweet obviously aged um, terribly uh, because it was probably the easiest thing in the world to predict sort of what was going to happen this Lakers season. And honestly, I think I think it was worse what happened to the Lakers this season, who officially were eliminated from the playoffs a couple games ago and now LeBron and AD aren't playing anymore and uh, for the rest of the season and it's truly been like inject that right into my veins I've I've loved it all but he had another tweet that was supposed to be an April Fool's joke first of all (laughs) first of all the worst April Fool's like this is why I hate April Fool's Day I'm on record as saying like I don't trust anybody on April Fool's Day and I hate it LeBron just tweeted on April 1st, I'm out for the I'm out for the season officially. See y'all in the fall. That was like he, his joke. He thought that was very funny and everybody was like, "Cool." And then he like played that night. Um they lost, obviously. I don't think they've won a game in years. Uh and but then that was I think that's the last game he played. He's he's been out for the last couple with his ankle injury and then he just announced that the Lakers announced today that he's not playing in the remaining two games. So <laughs> that so it wasn't really April Fool's. So it wasn't a joke. That's how bad it was is that not only was it a terrible attempt at a joke, like no effort there, Bron. Like give me something more than that. Um but then it just turned out to be true, so it wasn't a joke at all. And we just, like, bookending the Lakers season with these two tweets from LeBron, I think is just very fitting and incredible. And, yes, a uh, tweets from uh, Monster Energy Man at 9.30 a.m., and I just really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I've always, I've always felt weird admitting that I don't like LeBron, but mm-hmm. n- and it's becoming easier and easier to justify. Yeah. No, you ha- I, think, I think you, if you saw him on the street, you'd, you'd look at him and you'd say, I don't like you. And you would just keep going. Do you think you would do that if you saw him? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like if if he was a person I had to hang out with on a daily basis, yes. <laughs> you feel like, hey man, I just need to let you know. He I seems really insufferable and don't enjoy your company. I I think as he's gotten older, he's gotten more like I just need to perfect this brand that I've crafted, and I I sort of hate that. I think part of it's necessary because of how big of a celebrity he's become, but like. I very much don't enjoy the like perfectly crafted responses and and tweets and and all this stuff that has sort of become a huge part of like his his personality. Yeah, well, I I've I've enjoyed the Lakers season just as much if not more than you have. It's been great. <laughs> yeah, it's been um it's been fun to watch. I was listening to uh ESPN LA on the radio sometimes when I drive in um, to work in the mornings here so you get that that really delicious local LA sports talk and somebody like called in and was upset that Frank Vogel wasn't playing Austin Reeves more (laughs) that's the answer (laughs) it was like I just to have the people that you have on that team uh, and basically like be be pretty much eliminated and have fans still be like super upset because Austin Reeves isn't getting more playing time is sort I just of like I don't, I don't like they have the worst three through twelve in a league out of any team. 
Um, it's so bad. It's like I sometimes I forget like Stanley Johnson got like revived and they put him on the Lakers. Like Avery Bradley, who couldn't make the Warriors' fifteenth man spot, got cut. Is playing serious minutes. Like it's just bad. It's bad, and they. I'm glad they're not in the plane because they didn't deserve it. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what's gonna go on. I think AD had some quote about like. I'm a bad mother effer. When I'm healthy, I just got to stay healthy. It's like, well, I think we're far enough along where maybe, you know, like being healthy is not something that's going to happen for you for so much of your season because you fall down so many times a game. Some AD falls down 13 times. There's got to be like a second spectrum stat on how many times AD falls over during a game. And it's got to be over 10. They're perfect for each other. They are. They are. It's a perfect franchise and player um, for each other. So, Let's move off of... Enough Lakers. They've yeah, enough en- the Lakers. They've gotten enough coverage. No, they have. I just wanted to specifically single out how uh, bad LeBron has been at Twitter this season. Can, can we do end-of-season awards? Yes, we can. Um, do we want to do, like, traditional awards? Like yeah. The, okay, yeah, we, we definitely can. Do yes. You, do you want? Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with MVP. Okay. And then let's do the... Let's do the All-NBA first, second, and third teams. Okay, I can do that. Um... Would you like to give your case for who you believe is the MVP? Because it's been very hotly... It's a hotly contested issue. Oh, I don't think it's close. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's close. It's Juan. Juan Toscano-Anderson? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's the... Run- <laughs> it's Jokic. Okay. It, yeah. it, I, I think it's Jokic. I think it's Jokic hands down. Um, a lot of people talk about... Well, like They're like, well, he's, he's winning by all these like alphabet soup metrics. But like, I think you can distill it down to this... The Nuggets lost their two best players. What are they're going to end up as like the fifth seed, right? The sixth, um, fifth or sixth seed? I think they're currently the sixth seed, but yeah, they're they're locked into the actual playoffs, so they're avoiding the play-in. And I think yeah, either they'll be the either the fifth or the sixth seed. The fifth or the sixth seed. What what is this guy averaging? Twenty. I mean, I think to me also, it's like yeah, we can like officially look up his stats, but. Um, I think it's the assists are, and I can yeah, I can chat about it too because I think I'm gonna end up agreeing with you. Um, let me see if we can bring up his. Uh, I'm pulling up Basketball Reference right now. Pull it up. Okay. Pull it up and give me those stats, baby. Here, here we go. I'm pulling up assists. Why? Why did I pull up assists? He's sixth in the league in assists. Yeah, I want to. I want assists per game. Hmm. I'm just getting all advertisements. Yeah, you have a virus, for sure. <laughs> no doubt 20, in my mind. 27, 13.8 rebounds per game, and 7.9 assists. Yep. And the assists are not close with, you know, I, I guess the, the three players that everybody kind of agrees are, like the front runners, is Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic. And the assists uh, between... Jokic and the rest of the field are like it's it's not close. Yeah, so like by every advanced metric soup, Jokic is first. But I think you can kind of distill it down to look at look just look at the simple on-off rating of when he's on the floor, they play like one of the best teams on in the league and when he's off the floor, they're the worst team. It's it's it's, it's literally that simple, right? Like he's and as brilliant as he is on offense, he's not only 
maybe the best passer in the NBA, right? I mean, he's going to go, going to go down as a historically great passer, one of the best passers in NBA history. Not one of the best big men passers in NBA history, one of the best passers in NBA history. And his shooting efficiency, amazing. Uh, he just he, he doesn't he doesn't miss. He can shoot threes. He if you switch on him, he just punishes small guys. He rebounds. He passes. And then his defense for as much shit as he gets for being slow and plotting, he's kind of figured it out on that end. Like he's no Rudy Gobert, but he's turned into a guy who's very very competent on defense. I think. Just because his basketball IQ is so high, he's he's kind of like he's just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, you know the MVP can be so frustrating to me because it never feels like there is a set criteria for like okay, this is what the criteria for MVP should be. Like every year, it's so either like well, this person won it last year or a couple years ago, we can't give it to them. Or, you know, there's just, oh, well, like they got hot before the playoffs, so like let's take that into account. Like there's just no like set sort of criteria for it. But I think for me with Jokic is, I think to your earlier point, I mean, that team is nothing without Jokic, especially with Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray missing most and all of the year. Like that team would be in the high, like pick, having a high lottery pick if Jokic hadn't played. One of the top three worst teams, top three to four worst teams in the NBA. Absolutely. And so then you look at what like Nikola, Nikola Jokic can do with even the guys that are like playing with him, like Will Barton and Monte Morris and like Aaron Gordon, who like all these guys are fine. Some of them are below fine. Like they're pretty average basketball players. Um, Just remember, Aaron Gordon was like the third best player on the Magic. So I think what Aaron Gordon was doing in or what he is doing in Denver is like what he should have been doing in Orlando. So like that's the like the best use of him is this guy that can like occasionally hit threes, um, really good defender, good in the pick and roll and and passing like back and forth with him and Jokic is Jokic is great. Whereas in Orlando, he was like trying to score 30 a game and it was terrible. So, 
yeah, like there's there's nothing around, like no disrespect to anyone on the Nuggets, but there's truly like nothing around Jokic on that team without Murray um, and Michael Porter Jr. that really like on a scouting report really freaks anybody out. But like his passing is so devastating. Like he, I mean, I think we've all seen the highlights of sort of like some of the no look, some of the like behind the head, over his head without looking like passes to the corner are incredible. But some of the, like they played the Cavs recently and some of the, like skip passes he hits to like corner three point shooters are unreal. Like he draws people in and then the angles that he can hit three point shooters and get them wide open shots is um, incredible. Like bones Highland has been really fun for them, but super streaky and super inconsistent. Um, They're like, they have DeMarcus cousins out there. Who's been like fine in a, in a reserve role and limited minutes, but has also had some terrible games for them. Like that's the roster they're, they're trotting out. And if you look at, Giannis and Embiid while I think Embiid is like as close to first as you can get and I think other people have stated this but like any other season would probably win MVP like that's still such a better roster that the 76ers have and expand the Bucks. it's not even a question like the Bucks have a complete really good roster that won a championship last season so Jokic being able to keep like, we talk about injuries, man. The stuff with the Lakers where they're always complaining about, oh, if we just would have had LeBron and AD all season. It's like, okay, what about <laughs> what about the Nuggets who lost their, like, two of their best players and just had Jokic with nobody, and Jokic has kept them afloat um, and, ma- and made the playoffs. So, yeah, to me, I think I'm right there with you. Besides the advanced stats, which I think are super important, and just, like, the eye test, like, yeah, man, look at the roster. <laughs> They were playing Facundo. He doesn't play anymore. R.I.P. Facundo Campazzo, who is benched. But, like, he was playing in the beginning of the year. Yeah, and for me, it's like... I think it's similar, right? If you look at the Sixers before the Harden trade, if you look at the Sixers, like, you take away Embiid, they kind of suck. For sure. But I just think when you look at the total body of work, you could say every, every offensive category, Jokic is better. As far as true shooting, three-point shooting, rebounding this year, passing, it's a, it's a massive gulf. Shooting, it's a massive gulf. Um, so if you look at offense, it's not even close. And defensively, we all know Embiid is a beast. But I think the gap this year with the load that Embiid has had to carry on offense is closer on defense than it is on offense with how much better Jokic has gotten on defense. I would agree. And I also think if you just think about like, okay, take Embiid and take Jokic, put them on a pretty just super average team and they have to facilitate that whole team. You know, like they have to be the hub that that ball is going through. Embiid may be dropping 40, 45 a game, but like Jokic is going to control the entire game with his passing. He's basically a point guard, you know, like he passes as well as Chris Paul and that's not like hyperbole in any way. So, um, yeah, I think, I think for this type of discussion where it's like, what team can afford to lose this player the most, uh, or can't afford, I should say, I think it's, I think it's Jokic. I don't think it's all that close. Cool, so we agree on Jokic 1. We I think the agree. Real, the real debate is on 2 and 3. 2 and 3. I um, I would put Embiid 2. I'd put Embiid over Giannis. Why? I think Embiid this year has taken his offense to a level where it's like unlocked everything, where 
like not only sort he sort of cut back on his three point attempts um and is i think making them at a higher clip but also just like took the volume down 30, a little bit 37% yeah which is insane for a guy of his size um he also has just like become automatic from mid range like he's turned into like DeMar DeRozan from mid range <laughs> like he just and I just don't think I've ever seen someone as I mean, maybe this you know this is outside the MVP conversation, but I don't think I've seen a big man as graceful as him since like Shaq. Like it's truly the, his body control for how big he is is ridiculous to me. Um, I think like Giannis is obviously an incredible basketball player, and I think they're probably he does get hurt a little bit by the fact that like he's already won it, and so there's it's like cool to give it to some fresh blood in there. But I do think that like. Embiid has, especially like you said before, Harden got there, and they were dealing with the Ben Simmons stuff, and he just wasn't playing. And they sort of the roster around them is is uh, like better than what the Nuggets are trotting out. But just in general, his offensive ability, he's put that team on his back offensively, like most nights. And there's games where like he's as unstoppable as Kevin Durant is. Like you're, you, they're giving him the ball, and he's doing whatever he wants. Uh, so I think I would just give it to him a slight edge over Giannis because of that. True shooting percentage, Giannis 632 mm. to Embiid 612. Mm. Free throw rate, Giannis 0.613 versus Joel Embiid 0.598. So he gets the line more. Higher true shooting percentage. Defense, uh, rebounding percentage is essentially identical, right around 19%. Assist percentage, Giannis 31.5 to Embiid 24%. Steal percentage is essentially identical. Uh, Giannis 1.5 to Embiid 1.7, so Embiid has a slight advantage there. Block percentage, Giannis 4.0 to 3.9, so again, identical. And I just think if you're looking at the number, they're so, so close. I just think Giannis has a slight edge they've played 66 to 67 games they've both played 2200 minutes it's just it's it's very close and i couldn't fault you for going either direction i just think a lot of people have you know rightly like we just did made a big deal out of the team that Embiid has had to carry this year and i think Giannis has kind of had to do the same thing Middleton's missed a ton of games. They didn't have DiVincenzo the whole year. Then they traded him. Drew Holiday's missed a ton of games. Brooke Lopez has been out the whole year until the last two weeks. Very true. And Giannis has essentially had to play center for most of the year instead of his off-ball type roving. I guess you could call Bobby Portis the center. But Giannis has had to play a lot of minutes at center. I think it's very close, and I think you could go either way. I just think Giannis has a slight edge in most of the advanced stat categories. I, I think you could flip a coin, but if, if I had a gun to my head, I'd probably go Giannis 2 and Embiid 3. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, it's incredible that like the three MVP candidates are sort of these hybrid big men that have just turned themselves into these unstoppable monsters. Like I think that's incredibly cool and such a departure from you know, like what we're used to seeing and the and the way the game has gone in terms of, you know, bigger wings kind of winning these awards. Like, I think that part of it is super dope. Um, who would you, I was thinking about this while we were talking, and this this isn't even like MVP because that's encompasses everything, but if you had to get one bucket at the end of the game, would you give it to 
for that person to score. Like, ISO it up, clear it out. Durant. No, this is just between Embiid, Jokic, and um, Giannis. Who would you give it to? It's Jokic. Really? I think I think it's Jokic because you can't double the guy. Because if you double him, he's just going to whip it to a wide-open shooter or a wide-open cutter every single time. I think he's by far the best passer of the three, obviously. And I think, I think Giannis is kind of a hybrid of the two. Yeah. Um, in Bede, he's become a better passer, but he's definitely the weakest passer by far of the three. If you double in Bede, in like a late game situation, he does still sometimes have a propensity to to cough it up or make a bad turnover. This is true. I do think though Embiid could come down and before the double comes, just pull up and hit a bit of range. You are right. So yeah, I, you are right. I think I would I would go with that. But I I think the arguments for any like one, two, and three. I think we're both in agreement that Jokic, like, it's definitely his. Um, yeah, I think Jokic is like a clear cut above, and then I, I wouldn't fault anybody going for either one of the two as far as runner up. Yeah. Um, all right. So, next category, what were we doing, awards wise? Are we doing rookie of the year, or are we doing, uh, let's do let's do all NBA first team. Okay. So, uh, it's a mess with the forward center designations. If 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 I had a vote, I I just don't think there's any way you can keep Jokic and Embiid both off of the first team. So I I, I would put one at forward and one at center. Okay. And then Giannis would be the other forward. I think those are the three locks. Okay. The three MVP candidates we just talked about. Yeah. Um. I think so. I'm looking at like I'm just looking at some others that have like done these ballots so far. Um. It's crazy how little, you know, sometimes there's players who are like, oh, this guy doesn't get enough respect in the league. It's crazy. I legitimately feel like Devin Booker doesn't um, doesn't actually get the amount of respect that he probably demands for both being like completely, I guess, changing his game where like the Suns just didn't have a point guard and he was like their de, fa- de facto point guard and they were losing a ton of games. And then like he made way for for Chris Paul and you know, they went to the finals and now they've won 63, 64 games, uh, like a franchise record. Um, I think I would probably put him on my, my first team as well, but it is funny because like, I've seen so many interviews with him after games where guys are like, are you not getting enough consideration for the MVP? And like for that, it's like, okay, well let's slow down. But just in terms of like respect, that man wasn't even an all-star starter. Like that's wild. (laughs) Like that should, that's crazy to me that he didn't even like come close to being voted an all-star starter. So Um, you're putting him at one of the guard. I would put him at one of the guard slots. Yes. Okay, so who's who's your who's your fifth? And it needs to be a guard. It does need to be a guard. Um, I mean, probably Luca. Yeah, yeah, Luca. I think like some people have penalized him when he <laughs> he came into the season. It was just like kind of fat. Um, but you know, honestly, I sort of respect it. I sort of respect the player who comes in and is like really enjoyed my off season, you know, like had a lot of whoppers. I don't know if Luca eats whoppers. I don't eat whoppers, but like, I just, as a thing, you know, a, maybe a baconator, um, just had a lot of baconators in the off season, drank a lot just cause like you have the money and you probably have like a yacht and you just start consuming all of this terrible food. And I think you should, you know, I don't think you should be, have to come back game one in, 
the shape you're going to be in game 82. I don't think that's right. And to, to be fair, he's in the second half of the season, he's oh, he's been been a top 3 to 4 player in the NBA. He is literally, I mean, so much of my like game reference points, I mean, I've watched them plenty on national TV, but a lot where I'm watching like every minute closely is the games they're playing the Cavs because I've been watching all the Cavs games and literally the Cavs could not could not stop him in the pick and roll like for a stretch of like seven possessions in a row in like the third quarter he was literally either scoring either drawing a foul or he was kicking it out and somebody was hitting an open three and it is just like the mavericks are kind of like a a dark horse i've never been a huge mavericks believer because outside of luka Doncic, i thought that roster was pretty mid as the kids say but they got rid of porzingis who was just like a a dreary cloud hanging over a, an otherwise sunny landscape and they brought in Spencer Dinwiddie who has been like weirdly good after a horrible early season in in Washington before he got traded and all of a sudden like you're watching like Dorian Finney-Smith start shooting like 50% from the corners for three um like PJ Jaylen, Tucker Jr. P, I like that. I like PJ Tucker Jr. Jalen Brunson is doing his thing. Like Maxi Kleba just exists, but still like is a decent defender and shoots. Dwight Powell's playing really well. And then you have Dinwiddie. Like you have another guy that can um, play off the ball from Luka and be a threat to score, especially from three. So like all of a sudden, man, they're playing out of their mind. And but like I've just never seen a team struggle to stop somebody in the pick and roll for that many possessions in a row as the Cavs with Luka did. And, like, the Cavs still have it, even without Mobley and, and Allen for a period of time. And I think Mobley played in that game. Like, their defense is still pretty decent, and they literally, the Cavs could do nothing. He was just doing whatever he wanted. It's crazy because Luka and the other guy he's frequently compared to, Trey Young, they may be the two best pick-and-roll maestros in the NBA right 100%. now. 100%. Those two. I think I saw something where, like, Trey Young of any guard runs the most pick and rolls like of anyone in the league um they're both just unstoppable and they're unstoppable in it because and luca i think even i mean you know trey's devastating from three but luca to me like in crunch time i feel like once he goes to that step back move and you're done like he's gonna stop it he's gonna hit a rainbow three over your head and it's gonna be devastating he can just always get a good shot yeah you can always get a good shot, and I know like this is all, all anybody talks about, but it truly looks like he's moving so slow, and you're like, just stop it. Like, I was yelling at my TV. I was like, he's moving at negative five miles per hour. He is moving as if his feet, his his shoelaces were tied together. Like, that's how slow he moves, and yet he's so patient, and he just waits and waits and waits, and the minute there's like a sliver of an opening, he takes it. It's... I'm excited to see somebody was like I'm excited to see him in the playoffs playing a team that isn't the Clippers because it's just always like Mavericks <laughs> Clippers every year in the first round and Luka uh, they haven't gotten out of the first round and I think right now they're they'd be playing the Jazz I think they are the the five seed um, and I think the Jazz are the four seed so that to me is like that's fun let's see Luka against a different team let's see Luka with a better team around him and and like let's go with it so yeah I think Luka would be my other guard. I have I, this is not fun because I have no disagreements for you from you. It, it, I mean, it could have been really fun if Morant and Curry didn't get hurt because yep. those two would have made it a, a really fun conversation. But I'm I'm going with Booker and Luca for the two guard slots. Should we do second team? Um, yeah, we can do second team. I'm trying to like I always struggle with this because there's so many. Pl- I feel like I'm always forgetting somebody. If you start, you do your second team, and then I will I will remember some NBA players. Okay, well, 
The forward slots on the second team, I think, are easy. Uh, I would go with Kevin Durant mm. at one, mm-hmm. and then Jason Tatum at the other forward slot. Okay. And then I also think the guard slots on the second team are easy. I'm going with the guards who most likely would be in MVP conversation if they didn't get hurt in John Morant and Steph Curry, who would both be on the fringes of that top five MVP conversation if they would have played the whole year. Those are my second team guards and my second team forwards. So Durant, Tatum, Morant, and Curry. And then the question is at center. And at center, I think I would go with Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, a cat sighting. He's been great. Um, yeah, he's been really, really good. I like that. I think it's crazy because, I mean, they'll be in the play-in, but this that Minnesota team is just like, felt like, okay, is this working? Like, is the D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns ever going to amount to like anything? Or are they just going to kind of like be really good offensively and just get destroyed defensively every single night? And they sort of, I mean, they turned it on kind of second half of the season. They've really, really played super well. I like that one. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's either him or Gobert, and I would I'd, I'd definitely lean Cat over Gobert. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, all right, yeah, do, sorry, do your, say your five one more time. Center, Carl yeah. Anthony Towns. Yeah. Forward, Durant. Other forward, Jason Tatum. Guard, Ja Morant. Other guard, Steph Curry. Hmm. Okay, I like that. I, I like all of those. I... I would put DeMar DeRozan in somewhere in there. You would put DeMar DeRozan yeah. above Durant or Jason Tatum? I think it's close with Tatum. I wouldn't put him in over Durant. I think it's really close with Tatum, though. I think, like, I obviously I understand your feelings on DeMar DeRozan, but he, this season, has been as unstoppable. I mean, he we talk about, like, guys that are keeping teams afloat with injuries, like, the Bulls have been ravaged by injuries. I mean, Lonzo hasn't played in months and isn't going to play. Uh, Caruso was hurt so many times. Levine was hurt. And DeMar DeRozan was really the only dude. Nikola Vucevic. So I, I have a take. I think Nikola Vucevic is bad. I don't disagree. I think he's a bad NBA player. Bad's probably strong. I mean, he's whatever. But, like, he gets billed. All those guys from that Magic team, man. Vucevic and Gordon, all these dudes just somehow, like, they went down to South Florida and... Everybody was like, they're so good. It's like, are they? I don't think that they are. And he's just been like a very forgettable piece of that otherwise pretty good Bulls team. But like, there have been nights where DeRozan has been as unstoppable as Embiid or or anybody like from the mid-range. Like that dude has been automatic. Um, I mean, I think it'd be interesting to look at like, if you, I, I guess I can bring this up too, but like to look at year-long stats compared to Jason Tatum, because I think people forget how bad the Celtics were for like most of the first half of the season. Like they were not a good basketball team. They're, they're, but but now they have a better record than the Bulls. They're okay. So uh, let me let me throw this out there per thirty-six minutes. Yeah, let's see it. Points: DeRozan twenty-seven point nine, Tatum twenty-six point eight. Mm-hmm. Very close. Rebounds: DeRozan five point two, Tatum eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Assist: four point nine to four point four in DeRozan's favor. Um. And true shooting percentage, 590 to 574 in DeRozan's favor. Okay. So DeRozan has the slight edge on offense, but Tatum averages almost, well, how many more rebounds a game is Tatum averaging? 
Um, two and a half more rebounds a game. And then you look into the fact that, that Tatum is an all-world defender, maybe maybe could scratch the all-NBA second defensive team. And DeRozan, to put it charitably, is cromulent. <laughs> you, you love cromulent. Yes. You love that word. So I, I just think it's close enough on offense where I think they're almost neck and neck. DeRozan is slightly ahead, but I think the gulf on defense is so wide that I would have Tatum. Mm. Okay, that's fair. I think, I think I'm still putting DeRozan instead of Tatum. Um, I think... You know, part of this comes from just like who we, I've watched more too. Like I think I've just watched DeRozan play more. Um, but I do think like in terms of obviously the Celtics roster when they're both at full strength probably isn't quite as talented as uh, the Bulls is. But I do think like DeRozan has really had to when you take out Levine and Caruso and Lonzo Ball, like that's not a very good Bulls roster at all. Um they didn't have Patrick Williams for like until like the last two weeks of the season. Like they've just been destroyed by injuries. So I think I put a little bit of weight into that as he, I mean, yes, they have definitely faded. Uh, they have faded pretty hard over the second half of the season as the Celtics have risen. Um, but man, he's been, he's had some nights where he's just been like, yeah, like an unstoppable basketball player. And I think it's, I've never been like, I mean, people love DeRozan as a dude. He is a good dude. I've never been, I think we can probably both agree, like, especially on the Raptors, like his game was, especially in the playoffs, you were just like, okay, this isn't going to translate to anything. Um, And maybe it still won't. Like, I'm very fascinated to see the Bulls in the postseason and what he's able to do. But he has had some nights this season. So I'm going to, I'm also a known Celtics hater. So I am, um, you know, I'm just letting that out there. I'm just going to put that out there. So I'm taking DeRozan over Tatum. Okay, the, the third team. Yeah. The third team. Are there th- more players in the NBA than the ten we just mentioned? <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's mm-hmm. like the third team. It gets interesting. Yeah. Um, because you're going to have a logjam at both guard and forward. I think there's going to be two players who are left out that have very very good cases. So, third team center. Are you asking me? Yes, I'm asking you. <laughs> Third team center. Oh, um, have we said Gobert already or no? Yeah, yeah, I think I think it has to be. I think it has Gobert. to be Gobert, right? I think it has to be Gobert. I don't know if there's someone else who. I'm running through centers in my mind, and I don't uh, just especially the defensive. He's still so good defensively, and like cha- when he missed time, the Jazz like cratered defensively, and that's happened for multiple years in a row now. Whenever he goes out, they are just a, com- a shell of a defensive team. So I think that's the only easy pick. Yeah, the the forwards. Let's do the guards first because the forwards is the hardest spot. Okay, the guards. You have two spots for Chris Paul, mm-hmm. Trey Young, yeah, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Um, Does Harden get consideration? There's Harden as well. Yeah. So you got two spots for those four guys. And then the forward spots, you have... Well, you have Tatum. I have Tatum, I have DeRozan. Yes. yes. And then there's LeBron, Siakam, Jimmy Butler. Mm. So someone gets left out. Man. Yeah, that's really hard. I think, like, I... I think I would. Ha- I have to put LeBron in there because he it's still statistically he was still unbelievable. I agree. So, 
I'm putting LeBron in there. I have LeBron. Okay, so we have Gobert. We have LeBron as one of the forwards. Man. And then you have to choose between... I, and, and I have Tatum. Tatum, yeah. Siakam. Tatum, Siakam. And Butler. And Butler. I mean, Tatum for sure. I think. Of those three. Okay. Does DeRozan qualify a guard? I I don't know. I mean, I think he's much more of a forward, but I don't... He has the ball in his hands so much that maybe... I'm looking. I'm looking. I, I, it would make mine... It would make my pick so much easier. Yeah. But I, I, I think he's just listed as a forward. I think you're right. Man. Also, Man. another name that I, that I find very interesting is uh, DeJounte Murray. That's one, too. I think you have to have DeJounte. I think I would almost have DeJounte Murray above both Donovan Mitchell and James Harden. I think I would agree with that. I think I don't think people are aware of how well DeJounte has played he this has season. carried a team that should be a bottom three team. Like, they tried to tank. They are a garbage team. They tried to tank. Yeah. I think he is... I was just reading this. I forget what exactly the percentage is, but I think, like, his... Two point percentage this season compared to last season has just like flown up. Like he's all he's almost like we talk about guys that are automatic from the mid range, like DeRozan um, and guys like Embiid and stuff. Like he's up there. He his he's he's a great facilitator. He's a he's an all world defender at has, the guard spot. And I just like he's very like um I like his I like he's the cute. cut of his jib. Yeah, oh. he's cu- he's cute. Yes, he's cute. Did you and I know I think people know this, but he has that tattoo of an um, he has an emoji tattoo. That's nice. Yeah, I like that. He did. He did it before emojis were cool. So you have LeBron and Tatum. Yeah. So you're leaving off Siakam. Yeah, I think so. He's the snub. He who, uh, he's who, been uh, snubbed. Who are your two guards? So I think I'm going to put Dejounte on there. Oh my goodness! And then, and then Trey. Wow. So no Chris Paul. He miss he just missed a lot of time. And I think I'm penalizing him for the time missed. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's also just kind of boring to put him on there. I'd rather be exciting and give DeJounte some shine. But even though CP3 probably deserves it a little bit more. No. Okay, I'll kick Trey off because I'm kicking Trey off. I'm putting CP3 in. There you go. Yeah, because the Hawks, for some ungodly reason, still can't are, are in the play-in <laughs> and should not be in the play-in, but they're there. I cannot find if DeRozan is eligible <laughs> at guard. It's killing me. Let's call. Should we call the commissioner? Call Zach Lowe. Hello, Zach. It's Jordan and Mark. Ah. <sighs> Um. See, because what I would like to do mm-hmm. is I would like to have Gobert at center, LeBron at one forward slot. Yep. Siakam at the other forward mm-hmm. slot. Siakam. DeRozan 
at one guard slot and then Chris Paul as my final guard. That's 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 what I would. Well, like then we're to gonna do. do it because we we make the rules on this podcast. If I can't put him as guard, yeah, I would have DeRozan as my second forward. Okay. And I think my two guards. Oh, one would be Chris Paul. Chris Paul's a lock for me. Even though he missed a bunch of time, I just think, man, is he still? He's still so good. Every team that Chris Paul goes to is just all of a sudden the best team in the NBA. Like, no, he's objectively awesome. Yeah, like he, his passing, will and just mastery of whatever offense he is in makes. This is going to sound insane. Say it. When Chris Paul's healthy, he's he's still the Suns' best player by far. Hmm. I like that. I like that idea. I think, yeah, I think without him, it's almost a little bit like um, like when the the Warriors don't have Draymond Green, but in a, in a bigger way. A you much know? bigger way. It's like he is both really good at basketball. Not that Draymond isn't, but like Draymond offensively, um, you know, has obvious limitations. But I think like just in terms of something that makes the machine go, like Chris Paul is the thing that makes the the Suns like this unstoppable basketball machine. We forgot who. I think the third team center spot is closer than we 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 just gave it to Gobert. Who's the other center? Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. Although he did miss a he bunch of time, missed a ton of time. Okay, so it's Gobert. I also just am bad at remembering people. Yes, I just <laughs> like <sighs> who is in the NBA. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going with if 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 I can put DeRozan at guard, I'm going with Gobert, LeBron, Siakam, Chris Paul, and DeRozan. Yeah. That's my third team. I respect it. I think it's yeah. good. I think this was a good, healthy conversation about our very healthy conversation. Our three team boys. Um, let's quickly do Rookie of the Year. I mean, yes. I think my my vote has already been cast for mm-hmm. the entire season, but I think yep. it's also legitimate. But I think, okay, so mine's Evan Mobley, and I think we don't need to, like, for me, rehash how I feel about him because I think I've talked about him on Who's two and three? Podcasts. Two and three. I, I'm going to tell you what. I, I think, so Cade Cunningham has really, really come on uh, mm-hmm. in the second half for the Pistons, but I think I think I would put Scotty Barnes at two. I mm-hmm. think Scotty Barnes, Barnes has been playing out of his mind. Um, he has sort of learned that he is a mismatch for a lot of guys that are guarding him and he sort of just like slowly takes them into the post and then just hits a little turnaround jumper. Mm-hmm. And I think once he realized he could do that and how strong he was, because he's he's huge. Like Scotty Barnes just looks enormous at all times. Um, he's just a big boy and he sort of just figured out the physicality aspect of it. He's still like the jumper remains a huge work in progress, but... It's at the point now where I was watching them play the Celtics the other night, um, and like he looks comfortable shooting a three. Like it, it doesn't go in a lot. Like it didn't go in at Florida State, but like he, he's he doesn't look hilarious shooting it. You know, so like man, if they got somebody who could play basketball in the half court, would they be a good team? <laughs> oh man, I know. I mean, they <laughs> they're the best. The best. I mean, the best transition team in the NBA by far. And also, like, man, are they a nightmare? On defense when they're healthy. Absolute nightmare on defense. Uh, Precious Achua has just turned into a good basketball player, which is crazy. Like, he's just launching threes. Um, 
playing really well. He launched, was that last night? I think he launched a, in transition, launched a pull-up three-pointer. Yes. Yeah, they like, they came back and beat the 76ers. They're going to, I mean, I think they're all the way up to the five seed now. Like, they're going to cause some problems. Um, I would not want to play them. No, they're not fun because they just, like, beat the shit out of you with all of their 300 arms that exist. They're just everybody's 6'9". Everybody's 6'9", and then, as we've talked about, then you have little Fred. But, yes. <laughs> but Fred's, like, you know, pulling up um, and hitting huge crunch time threes. Like, they have this very... If they can hit... If, like, Siakam and Achua are on from three, that is a very dangerous team. Now, they definitely have had nights where, like, no one can shoot. And then they're scoring like eighty-five points. I think the key is you have to make them play in the half court. If have they get to. if they get out in transition, they're going to kill you. Have to. Um, and don't like yeah. You can help off like if there's a guy. I mean, I guess Gary Trent Jr. is pretty like hot and cold. But like if there's guys like um, OG Anobi, like it, you you can help off him to stop a drive because you can sort of dare him to shoot. You can, there's a couple guys you can really dare to shoot on that team. Well, pretty much everybody except Van Fleet and Gary Trent. Yeah. Even Siakam. I wouldn't leave Siakam alone. Like I wouldn't give him a wide open three. Um, but yeah, man, if they have a night where some of their shooters are hitting from three, like that's a really difficult team. So I'm putting, uh, I'm putting Scotty at two. I'm putting Cade at three. Mm-hmm. And then um, honorable mention to Jalen green, who is on mm. a garbage Houston Rockets team and they've been tanking all year but like he I I've been paying close attention to him because he was actually my pick like who I wanted the Cavs to take before any of us knew that Evan Mobley was going to become what he became um although you were you always loved you loved Mobley I love him yeah I so, love him because I, I I would never ever 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 take a big like a traditional big with a first-round draft pick in the NBA. Yeah. I think it's just a horrible use of resources to pay a bit. It's like taking a running back in the NFL. Yeah. It's a, a shelf horrible life. use of resources. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then like, by the time they become good, it's like, okay, now you got to pay them a max contract. It's like the situation, what's happening with the Suns right now. Yep. It's like, well, now we got to pay Aiton $30 million a year to be like a competent yep. center. Okay. Yep. I mean, uh, but yeah, I've, I've loved Mobley. This isn't going to be that interesting because I have, I have Mobley 1 and Barnes 2, although I think it's a lot closer than people think just because Barnes has come on in the second half. Yep. And he is... And he's a great defender. I mean, he's... A great uh, defender. Mobley is too, but like Bar- Barnes is on the perimeter most of the time and he's mm-hmm. just a very... Yeah, he's very good. And he's he's kind of turned into like a de facto point guard mm-hmm. for their second unit. Um, he's a great initiator. He's just... He's very, very good. Uh, my... Third, I'm going with Cade as well, but my my honorable mention is Franz Wagner. Oh, Franz! I think he is fun. No, he rocks. He's awesome. I I I just think he's had more of an impact on winning this year than Green, and I think Wagner right now on pretty much any playoff team could get serious minutes. I I agree with that. Um, he is. He's the type of kind of four that like you can just move all around the court. He's a good three point shooter. He's a good passer. Um, he's covering up sort of the disappointing year Jalen Suggs has had <laughs> injuries and play. Like I'm a little nervous about Jalen Suggs. Um, he's the one guy in like the top seven. It's like meh. everybody else. You could be like, oh yeah, this guy's gonna I be know. an all star. 
It's wild because this is how sort of meaningless summer league is for big proclamations. Josh Giddy too. Josh Giddy rocks. You forgot about you. Like he could be an all star. I'm actually very excited for the Shea Gilgis Josh Giddy combo for the years to yeah, come. And then if what's his name Poku? Oh Poku. If he could, if he if he turns into anything, man, that team is going to be long and big and fun. Like they're oh, just, they're going to be no, they're like going to be the. Um, like nerd basketball like oh please put them on national tv a couple times because yes. i want to watch him play yeah. um no jalen Suggs at summer league like dominated so i went to summer league because i wanted to see evan mobley in person and i caught the magic a couple times and like jalen Suggs like was the guy that stood out to me like he played really well he was like cole anthony was on their summer league team and it was they were giving the ball to jalen Suggs. like he was running the offense and stuff and then you look at sort of like the summer league Mobley had, and it was pretty pedestrian just because, you know, he needed somebody to get him the ball, and they'd had, <laughs> the Cavs had like no point guards on their summer league team or anybody good. Um, and it's sort of reversed where now it's like Suggs is having a lot of trouble, you know, getting to the rim like he did in college uh, when the competition wasn't as quite as good as the NBA. He's not shooting that well from three, which was a like a concern regardless. But And then he's been hurt, and he's just kind of been like off the radar. You know, he like just came back. Um, I think in the game they actually uh, beat the Cavs in, which uh, we don't need to talk about. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I... I'd like I think Franz for me would be right below would be right after Jalen Green because um, Jalen has actually uh, been playing very well for a, a terrible Rockets team uh, sort of like the last like fourth of the season so like not like Cade who is like taken over in the second half but I, I still think Jalen's going to be a very really good scorer in this league um, and hopefully will not have this sort of disaster of a roster around him for very much longer as they as they sort of build there but um, no Franz is. Franz rocks. I'm a big Franz fan. I don't like his brother. I don't like his brother's face, but I like Franz's <laughs> face. I like it more. Do we do defensive player of the year or do we not care? Um, I I was actually really... So for me, it's hard to like... So somebody... I forget whose ballot it was. But somebody gave it to Jaron Jackson Jr. And I, I didn't realize he was so good defensively. Yeah. So Leading the NBA in blocks. Yeah, which is and crazy. And also leading the NBA in field goal percentage contested at the rim yeah so that's wild to me and i i mean i haven't watched a ton of grizzlies they haven't been on national tv enough which is really upsetting even though i have league pass i guess i could just watch them at any time but um outside of him i'm trying to think like who else like i guess Go- robert williams robert williams gobert gobert's in the conversation bridges bridges yes love Macau bridges a personal favorite of mine marcus smart marcus smart Bam out of bio. Yeah. I think those those are your candidates. Yeah. So I see I wouldn't be able to I feel like I'm not I haven't watched enough like defensively of any of those guys to really fully like have a legit opinion on it. Because yeah, somebody was like, I'm giving it to Jaron Jackson Jr. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that dude was blocking people left and right. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think I have enough of a opinion on it. I don't have enough of an educated opinion. I don't I don't I don't just want to throw out a hot take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the last one I kind of want to do is is Coach of the Year because okay. I think that's fun. And yes. I think, for me, I would give it to uh, Taylor Jenkins of the Grizzlies. Why? Because the Grizzlies, for as talented as that roster is, they don't really have a lot of shooters. Uh, they have guys that are streaky, like Desmond Bain, uh, Dylan Brooks, who missed a ton of time. And Jaron has become a pretty good three-point shooter, but, like, Ja's not a three-point shooter. And it just hasn't mattered. You know, like, in today's NBA, you still need shooters. And the Grizzlies are just like this... 
like some of it is like sort of rooted in their grit and grind past where like they just play really physical defense and they and they have like Steven Adams still who will like just beat you up in the middle and like they they do that but they just like for a team that doesn't have even a guy like a Seth Curry or just a guy who you know is shooting 40% from 3 like they've just mauled people man like they've just and then Ja goes out and they're like 20 and 3 without him I think is the stat now over like the last couple seasons that's insane that to me is also such a a testament to coaching because they don't really have another superstar. You know, it's kind of like Ja and and very good players, but they don't. I don't think Jaron Jackson is a superstar yet. So, to me, it's been crazy to watch how good they've gotten without an offense that is kind of as like what you see some other real. Like you look at the Suns, where almost everybody on that team can shoot threes um, at a at a high clip, except for Jay Crowder, who's trash. Uh, but yeah, so for me, I just think watching Ja develop, but then watching what the rest of that team has become and, and winning games that way is is really, really impressive to me. That's fair. And I think it's he has gotten a lot of buy-in yes. from the guys who are six through fifteen on that roster. And those guys come in and they just they just don't miss a beat. Dylan Brooks is out. Well, okay, we've got Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton yep. and you know, it just seems like no matter who they plug in, they're getting above average minutes from. And as I always say, once you get rid of Grayson Allen, yeah, things take off. It's just this is why the Bucks aren't going to win the uh, win the championship. But I digress. But that's you know that's another move. I'm sure Taylor went into the front office and said, "Get this, get this mayonnaise man out of here." And they said, "All right." <laughs> it's always hard for me to separate like. How do we really measure this? How do we quantify it? Because I'm a numbers yeah. guy. It's so hard to quantify it and not just give it to, okay, which team outperformed our expectations? Yeah. And I I don't know. I mean, the candidates I've heard thrown out are Spolstra, mm-hmm. uh, Taylor Jenkins, yep. uh, Udoka. Is that his, the, the Ime. Celtics? Yeah. Ime Udoka. Yep. Um, Monty Williams. Mm-hmm. Those are the names. You're, I, miss, you're missing one. I'm missing one. Mm-hmm. Um, J.B. Bickerstaff. J.B. Bickerstaff. My guy. Yeah. You know, they've, unfortunately, the Cavs have um, fallen off along with injuries in the second half of the season, or I think he would be he would be higher up there. But um, just honorable mention to my guy, J.B. I don't have a strong opinion on this. Okay. I think, I think if I, I think, I think if you held a gun to my head, it would be between Monty Williams and Taylor Jenkins. Yeah. And the the points for Monty Williams, I think, this team lost in the finals, and then they came back and just steamrolled the NBA. That doesn't happen. Like and usually, there's like a hangover. Yeah, and I think they're they're better. They are better. Um, and I also think like you know, there's teams like the Nets that don't really have a system. You know, it's just kind of like KD and Kyrie mm-hmm. doing their thing. The despite the Suns having. Some a really good one-on-one ISO player in Devin Booker, and even like Chris Paul to an extent. Like they have a an offensive system. Like they run a bunch of stuff. It's and very it, aesthetically pleasing. It is so like, and that's a testament to um, to Monty for coming in, installing a system that just has completely unlocked this like offensive nightmare. For me, it's a toss-up between those two. Yeah, and the the, the the points for Jenkins are like I said, like getting the buy-in from the role players, and. 
no one on that roster, I don't think anybody on that roster plays more than 28 minutes a game besides Morant. I think you're right. No, they're deep. They run deep. So that's a toss up. If you if you if you held a gun to my head, which I am, I'm in the closet. You're gonna hold a gun behind my head. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Monty Williams because I think for him, for them to have that crushing finals loss and for them to come back and steamroll the NBA, I think that's a testament to coaching to have those players buy in and say, okay, we're gonna put it behind us and. We're gonna we're gonna be better this year. Absolutely, and man, Devin Booker had the like they played in the finals, and then he had to go to the he had to fly <laughs> to China to play in the Olympics, like and then did that, and then came back and had like very limited time to get ready for the next season. Like that, he should be dead, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he's he's out there having a an incredible year. So I, 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 I think Spolstra too has a really good case. Yes, I mean J- Jimmy Butler's missed. A ton of games. Bam Adebayo's missed a ton of games. Cal Lowry's missed a ton of games. And somehow they're the number one seed in the East with one of the Martin brothers and Max Struess and Omar, what's his name? Omar Epps. Yeah, Omar Epps. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What, or, or, Okay. No, I'm not even going to... I don't want to be disrespectful. Yes, I'm not even okay. going well, to... I mean, th- that's the lineup that they're running yeah. out there most nights, and somehow they're the number one team in the I think, East. I think Spolstra will go down as one of the, the best NBA coaches of all time. I agree. Um, it's... I don't know if I... I don't know if I trust them in the playoffs, um, this team, but, like, he gets... I don't trust Jimmy Butler. I don't trust Jimmy Butler either, man. Jimmy Butler drives a minivan with no rearview mirror. <laughs> Because he never looks back. Is that a re- is that a true? I I don't know, but like if it's true, it's very dangerous. That like Miami should be very the the citizens of Miami should be concerned. If you passed a car and you looked and it was Jimmy Butler and it's a minivan and there was no rearview mirror, I'd be terrified. I would I would get off at the next exit. Yeah. I, to me, they. They are scary in the playoffs. I just I, I don't know if they have enough half court juice. It feels like it's not that different than when they lost in the bubble to the Lakers, mm-hmm. where like offensively they just cannot compete. Even though they're a great defensive team and they have a sort of mastermind. Yeah, I mean that that starting lineup with Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler oh, and PJ Tucker and beat you to hell. How do you score? Yeah. How do you score on that team? Exactly. But like if you're facing, you know, if they say they like got to the finals and they had to play the Suns or something, I just don't. Do you even with that type of defense can you keep up offensively with a team? And the Lakers just steamrolled them because they couldn't do anything in the half court. Yeah, the problem is when the game slows down and the other team decides, okay, we're just not going to yep. let these guys get out in transition. Yeah, the game it, it, teams become a lot less sloppy yeah. in the playoffs and. Side note, I think that's why we'll see the Grizzlies get knocked out relatively early. Because I, don't, I the, don't disagree with you. The Grizzlies feast off of turnovers and transition and offensive rebounding, and that stuff in the playoffs gets shut down. Yeah. They're, they're an effort team, okay? So because they are an effort team wow. and they more effort than talent, I'm going with Taylor Jenkins. I'm switching, I'm switching to Taylor Jenkins. I talked myself into it. Taylor Jenkins, congratulations. You have received an, the... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's not anonymous. It's uh, unanimous. Unanimous. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, sorry, Monty Williams. Sorry, Monty. Over and back has given out the trophy and it is going to our guy TJ. I call him TJ when we text. Yes. 
like, hey, hey, Tej, what's up tonight, man? What kind of lineups you running? That that's the text you send to him. Yeah, he he hasn't responded. Okay, um, I wouldn't respond to that either. That's just what so, kind of lineups you running? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. It's just small talk, dude. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna ask him about his wife. That doesn't feel appropriate. Well, I asked my fiance last night, and she said she predicts the finals will be. The Seattle Salmons and the Washington <laughs> George Washingtons. Let's go, dude. And the MVP of the finals will be Gary Trent Jr. So, <laughs> what team is Gary Trent Jr. on? She doesn't know, but oh, she but likes. He's winning it. She likes his name. Okay. Um, if Seattle gets a team back, they should be called the Salmons. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Mark Tipoff is approaching of my my favorite basketball team, who has to play the Nets this evening. And I'm dripping sweat yes. in the closet. <laughs> you, there is, I can see uh, water leaking out from under the door because of how much you're sweating. So um, this is the this has been the over and back uh, award show. This turned into. If you have any disagreements, um, don't. I don't want to fucking hear it. I don't care. Don't tweet me. You know, just don't tweet me. Gas or station Mark. people stay out of my mentions. Yeah, gas people station. Go back to your gas station and get your monsters and send out a LeBron. With LeBron. Tweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks when it will be playoff time and all of our predictions will come true to 100% to a T. So for Mark Goon, I am Jordan Zerm and I am saying until next time. <laughs>